You are listening to the weekly sermon from Elevation Community Church in Blanchester, Ohio. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit myelevationcc.org. Last week we led an impromptu message, flipping the tables of our hearts. And the message was titled, How to Live a Powerless Life. and how to be a powerless church. It was definitely a sarcastic approach of awakening us to the need that the church needs to be living in power, needs to be alive, active, and not just a religious activity. That's called religious spirit. And we gave three things that in order to live a powerful life and avoid powerless living, we must not forget the hope that is anchored in Jesus Christ. You cannot. So often we just try to muddy the waters and clear out the sounds in our heads and just numb the pain. And we crave so many different things that is not the hope in Jesus. And so if you wanna live a powerful life, you must anchor yourself in Jesus. The second thing is instead of complaining and blaming and trying to avoid testing and trials, to embrace it in surrender, knowing that God wants to refine you and grow you. And the third thing was in order to live powerful lives in Christ, you must repent daily. You must forsake your sin and seek forgiveness. And so today... Since the Lord moved so powerfully last week, I thought we need to touch on this before we move on to our 4D vision series next week. And I want to invite someone up here who has lived a life of sacrifice and humility and missions to India and Pakistan. And I want him to share his experiences of what he saw in a foreign country of people who sacrificed much, if not everything, for the name of Jesus. Where you saw someone find Jesus and all of a sudden living in a powerful way. And my hope is that we would take from an example of these Christian brothers and sisters from another country who are living in powerful ways and the church of Christ is moving in powerful ways. So would you please help me welcome a dear friend of mine, Elliot Liskey. Thanks brother. It's an honor to be here uh, with you all this morning and I want to keep on that same theme that um Pastor Phil preached on last week. He taught on how to be, how to live a powerless life. And this morning, I want to, I'm not as sarcastic or creative as Pastor Phil is. I was trying to like reverse it in my mind, but I couldn't do it. So I want to give you three practical tools to live a powerful life in God. I'll call them three spiritual weapons. And um, yeah, a little, kind of introduce myself Um, We spent the better part of the last 10 years uh, living in the Muslim world. We spent some time in Afghanistan, Pakistan, and in India. And people there, they don't want the gospel. You cannot go in and plant a church in the Muslim community. 
So what we did is we started businesses. I was a, th- a part of three different businesses, and we hired people. We developed relationships, and it's hard work, and um, God blessed it. And um, as we dug into relationships, these three things I'm going to be sharing um, this morning, we did this. This was our, our we, these were our weapons. Um, so first weapon I want to share with you this morning, actually before we do that, I want to th- take just 10 seconds and I want to think of people in our lives who we love, uh, near and dear to us, but don't know the Lord as we do, and we want them to know the Lord. Maybe a friend, neighbor, relative. Can you think of anybody in your life? Think of two or three people. And could, could you give me, let's write a few names down on the board. Does anybody have any names of people they love but want to know the Lord? Tom? Okay, Tom's up here. Okay, Tom, any, three, four other names. Logan. Adam. Ted. Brad. About some ladies' names. <laughs> Christy, okay. Let's talk about these three very simple but powerful tools, weapons that God can use in our lives to empower us to, against sin in our own lives, to kill addictions in our own lives, but help us to re- reach other people, to help us disciple our own families and to reach other people. So let's talk about this first point that we way underestimate, and that's prayer. Prayer is such a powerful weapon, and I praise God that this church has put an emphasis on it. Um, main churches, you know, prayer is just something you do for, you know, two minutes on Sunday morning, and that's it, and you pray before you eat dinner, and that's it. Let me, let me read you these two stories in the scriptures just to illustrate. God gives us a glimpse into what prayer actually is. The first uh, verse is Ezekiel and Ezekiel 22. In the first 22 chapters of Ezekiel, it's rough. It's just God's judgment against Israel for all their nasty, nasty sin. And he says to them, Babylon is bringing their army against you. For, and I'm judging you for all your nasty sin. And he says in chapter 22, he says... I looked for someone among them, among the people of Israel, who would build up the wall so the Babylonian Empire would not come in and destroy it. A warrior king who would build up the defenses, who, who loved and cared for their people. But I, and I looked for somebody who would stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land, the land meaning the, the inhabitants of the land, the people of the land. And there's this gap in the wall where the army could come in. And it wasn't just a, it was a physical wall, but it was also, what does he say? Stand before me. There's a spiritual element to this. You're standing before God on behalf of the people of the land. But what does he say? I couldn't find anybody. There was no one there. 
a prophet, a priest, to intercede on behalf of the people before me. And what happened? They were taken as captives to Babylon. Another story very similar is in Exodus uh, 17. The army is coming against Israel, and God says, Moses, go up on this hill next to the battle, and I want you to raise your hands in intercession and worship. And this is similar to the song we were just singing. Raise your hands. This is your battle cry. And and the Bible says when Moses lowered his hands, the enemy was defeating Israel. When he put his hands up, they were winning the battle against the enemy. What's going on here? Here's Moses, right? This is a real battle going on. People are dying, right? And here he is. And what's going on here? His worship, right? He was at, this just, it wasn't just flesh and blood. It was flesh and blood, right? He was praying. He's raising his hands. But there was a spiritual element. We can't understand that. But we can, we can see it work. We can believe God. And that's what I'm trying to say right now is God, help us to see the spiritual. His, his worship, intercession, was affecting the spiritual realm. And that, in turn, was affecting the battle. Uh, Jesus said it like this. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosened in heaven. So there's this interplay between heaven and earth that we don't, we don't see with our natural eyes. And we always have to tell ourselves, remind ourselves of the reality of the spiritual world. I love what Phil said last week. He says, if there's sin in our lives, addiction in our lives, he said, you know, you got a raw pastor. He's real with you. He says, if there's a porn addiction in your life, you're not going to stand in the gap. The power is going to be gone. That, that's, that place of privilege is not going to be there. But God, what does he say? I'm looking for someone among them. He's looking for people in Blanchester. You know, Clinton County, Clinton County, Warren County, to stand in the gap on behalf of the people before me. Let me tell you a story. Uh, I was on this team about six years ago with some awesome brothers. And um, just, uh, I love these Indian brothers. And um, evangelists and prayer warriors uh, who suffered much. And where we were, you could, you could go to jail for being an evangelist, for talk, talking about Jesus too much, and people do. In my city, just last week, where I just, we came from India a month ago, and a brother went to prison because he was carrying a stack of Bibles. And the police caught him, and, and he said, you can't have this literature. And they put, it, they put he's in jail. So that's, that's the situation. And uh, we were on this team, and I don't want to tell you about the, my I'd love to tell you about sometime about my Indian brothers, but there was this very small, short, older Korean gal on our team, quiet, and I never talked to her too much. Uh, I don't know why. Um, she worked with the ladies in the factory doing artificial jewelry, and she comes in one morning to our meeting, and she says, guys, I got to tell you what happened. One of the young gals came to her, uh, one morning that week and said, Auntie, I had this dream, and in my dream, I, I came into the factory in the morning and walked through the front gate, and I saw these bodies laid out 
on the floor, wrapped in white sheets, and everybody was gathered around, beating their faces like they do in a Muslim funeral. And she says, I walked over there, and I started weeping and wailing too, and there was the bodies of people I work with. And this is about 30, 40 Muslim people that worked at this factory. And she said, it was so sad. Everyone was just so sad. But then I looked up at the gate of the factory and I saw this tall man walk right in through the door. And his clothes were dazzling white. We know who that is, right? And she said, he came over to all the bodies wrapped in sheets. And one by one, he was giving them life, raising them up. And she says, Auntie, this, this, this gal's never been in a Bible study. She's never seen a Bible. She's heard about Jesus a lot from this gal, from the team there. And in her family, maybe it's been a, a thousand generations since they heard about Jesus. And she says, Auntie, that guy in my dream, that's the person you've been telling me about, isn't it? And, and I thought, wow, that's, that's, an, that's an amazing story. And then I found out later, that this older Korean lady, she would often stay up all night in intercessory prayer for her young gals that she worked for. She believed it. She believed that she was in a place of authority, that God had put her right here to stand in the gap on behalf of these young girls before the Lord. And um, let's just take 10 seconds and bow our head. Lord, you've put us as your sons and daughters in a position like that. God, we pray for Tom, Logan, Adam, Ted, Brad, and Christy. We stand before you on their behalf. God, bring salvation to their lives. Give us opportunity to speak to them. Lord, may you illuminate their hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Second tool I want to talk about, second weapon is, sounds kind of funny, but seeds, God's seeds, like seeds you throw in a field. And Jesus tells us the secrets of the kingdom, how the kingdom works, how his kingdom works in this world. In Matthew 13, he says, a man goes out and he scatters seeds everywhere. And most of the seed, they don't, they just, they wither up. Some of the seeds, they grow tenfold, hundredfold, And some of the seeds, they're like a mustard seed, very tiny little seeds. And one goes into a garden, and then in time, it overtakes the whole garden, right? That's what we want. We want those powerful tools that overtake the whole garden. So what does that that mean? Like, sow seeds, and how how does that happen? Let's get practical. Let's read Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commands, this whole, this whole book of Deuteronomy about the ways of God, his, his heart for his people, these commands that I give you today are to be on your hearts. They're supposed to be in, inside of us. We're me- memorizing them and reading them and going over them again and again to the point that they're on our hearts. And then what, what happens, you know, when something's on your heart? 
I have a relative. He's a, a techie and a, just a kind of a business nerd. He's, every time I get together with him, he's telling me, oh, yeah, this new technology and this, this you know, new thing you can do on uh, Microsoft Outlook. And I'm like, that's cool. I, I enjoy talking about that kind of stuff. But it just flows out of him, flows out of him. And he, he can talk about it all the time. And pr- let's get back to here. When something is on your heart, it just flows out of you. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at your home, when you walk along the way, when you lie down, when you get up, just flowing out of you. Day in and day out, whatever circumstance you're in. Why, why is it flowing out of you? Because it's already in you. Don't underestimate the power of daily Bible study, daily Bible devotion, sitting before the Lord, reading, absorbing this truth. And he says, even to the extent of, tie these as symbols on your hands. These are reminders. Be reminded. Set a reminder to do these things. Write them on your foreheads. (laughs) What kind of reminders do we have? I mean, do we even set our alarm early to wake up 20 minutes early to to read? Uh, I'm preaching to myself. Um, How serious are we about getting the word of God in us so it can come out of us? Let me tell you this story. Um, There was a young man, the the last business that I've been working in the last three and a half years, uh, it was my own business. I started poor Muslim, different Muslim community. And this young man that I had in my workshop I was sharing with him. I was giving him the seeds. He came to faith. He had, a, he had a vision of Jesus. Jesus healed his daughter. And I started reading with him. And it was difficult because, you know, he's Muslim. And we start reading about Abraham and Isaac and Ishmael. He's like, well, in the Quran it says Ishmael is the, is the child of promise. And, you know, so all these just things that just weren't sitting right with him. Even though he had seen Jesus, he had talked with Jesus, his daughter was healed in the name of Jesus, he, he, he knew Jesus was powerful. But to him, Jesus was still like a prophet with power, and he didn't really understand yet. I was trying to explain it to him over Bible study, Jesus is God, Jesus is Messiah, and all these concepts. And then COVID hit, you know, this is a year and a half ago, and I, we had to come back here for a year because our visas were canceled. And I'm praying. I said, he, he doesn't get it. This, he doesn't understand not even half of it. And I said, okay, brother, here's your Bible. Here's this other Bible study tool. I'm just going to pray for you, and you keep on reading. Keep on reading. And this is what he did. All year, I called him, and we tried to do Bible study over the phone. That didn't work good. But he kept reading, kept reading. And then I got back last April to India. We were driving, and I said, hey, how's, that, how's it going reading? You know, what are you thinking about Jesus? And I'm expecting him to say, like, oh, yeah, Jesus is good. You know, he's like the best prophet. He's like one of the, he's like right up there with Muhammad, you know? He's like a really great guy. And he, and he turns to me and says, hey, Elliot, did you know Jesus is actually our Savior? He, like, died for our sins. It's like, hey, and did you know that he's actually God himself? <laughs> I'm like, bro. <laughs> like, what happened to you? <laughs> and 
he had the seeds, the word of God. He was reading that New Testament I gave him. And the Holy Spirit was just doing it. That's the powerful thing about seeds, right? You have this little conversation about God on the sidewalk. Hey, Mary Lou, how you doing this morning? I'm doing good. Yeah, it's real busy. Ted and I are just, he's working a ton, like 55 hours a week. The kids are in soccer practice, this and that. And yeah, I know how that is. You know, we, we were in a busy lives our season, season two, and everyone gets stressed out. Yeah, we're getting stressed out too. And, and Ted, he's like, he's always coming home kind of angry and stressed out. He's like, well, you know, when that happened with us, we, we, we got marriage counseling and we worked through it. Yeah, maybe we need some marriage counseling too. You know, we could do that too. Oh yeah, that was it's so powerful for us because we just figured out that we need to forgive each other because God has forgiven us. And that's the way we were able to like, you know, fix a lot of things in our relationship. Yeah, that's, that's, that's interesting. That's cool. Okay, I'm, I'm gonna go put the kids on the, bu- on the bus. You know, just these, what, what was that? That little thing on the sidewalk right there. That was just a little seed kind of awkward, right? Talk about God to your neighbor. But that, that little seed, this lady's going to go home at night thinking, what does that mean? Forgiveness? God forgave me. Now I can forgive my husband. Man, I'm mad at my husband. He has so much issues and I'm bitter. And I got all this nasty stuff in my heart. What does that mean? God forgives me and Jesus. And it, well, here comes the Holy Spirit. He just does it. <laughs> he does it. In Mark 4, it says that the seeds are planted in the ground, and then the farmer comes back later on, and what do you know? They grew up by themselves. That's the power of God that just happens. Paul says in, in uh, 1 Corinthians 3, I planted these seeds. Apollo put some water on these seeds, but God grew them. That's the power of God. If you want to see If you want power in your life, plant seeds, plant scripture, plant truth in your own heart, in your children's heart, in your neighbor's heart. So, Father, I pray, give us opportunity to plant seeds in these people's lives. Lord, help us to ingest the word of God. Put it in our hearts, Father. I need it. I need it. I need more of you, your goodness, your reality. And help us just to give that to other people, even if it's just a small seed, God, and we want to see you work in people's lives. Amen. Third, third weapon, tool that God wants to give us. In Mark 5, the, this guy comes at the disciples and Jesus, and he is demon-possessed. Jesus delivers him, sends the demons into the pigs. And the disciples put a a robe on him, and he says, Jesus, I want to go with you. Jesus had other plans. And we read in uh, Mark 5, 19, he says, nope, you're not coming with us. Go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and uh, and how merciful he has been. Right? This is not the great commission about going to other people ethno-linguistic groups about learning a new language and baptizing people and teaching people to obey everything he's commanded. This is not that. This is something much more simple. Simpler. It's hard, right? 
It's hard. It's hard to tell people sometimes what God has done in our lives. I mean, it's, the verse after this it tells us what happens. And, and just imagine with me, the guy comes walking back into his town and there, there's the neighbor, right? Oh, kids, go inside. The crazy man's back. And, but he walks in and his, his mom and dad are there and they're like, man, you, you stink. <laughs> What's wrong with your hair? And, but hold on, you were, you, were, you were the crazy man. What, what's happened to you? He's like, yeah, my mind, it's better. I got my life back. This man, Jesus, he touched me. He sent the demons into the, the pigs. And, and now I'm, I'm free. I'm free. Just a simple story, right? And who, who's, who's gonna doubt that? You think that the neighbor's gonna come up and be like, no, nah, nah, that, that didn't happen. That didn't happen. You, you were out there in the woods drinking all that you know, pig water and oh, you got some kind of medicinal thing going on. No, they're not gonna say that. They're gonna say, who is this Jesus guy? And it says in the next verse that he went around telling everybody and they were amazed. They couldn't deny it. I mean, he still, his hair was still like dreaded up and stuff, and, but he was, they knew who he was and he was in his right mind. How many of us, all of us have a story, right? God's done something in our lives. Maybe it's been 30, 40, 50 years. Grandpa, grandma, have you told your grandkids, your 13-year-old grandkid, what God did in your life 50 years ago? You know, I I think sometimes we kind of like, that was kind of a bad time of life, shameful, you know, keep keep the 60s and the 70s in the past, you know. Um, And maybe it is. Maybe there's shameful things in there. But God wants you to tell that story. Stories are powerful. Stories are so powerful. I mean, I, I think um, the, the growing up, you know, I heard this story of my, my dad so many times. My dad was an atheist. His, his father was an atheist, avid atheist. And he would hitchhike around the country for sporting events. And when he was... Hitchhiking, the people that would pick him up, they would, they would give him those little seeds, talk about God, right? And this happened time and time again, right? And eventually, it Holy Spirit crept into his life, and he eventually went to church and he met the Lord, and it changed our family immensely. And that that little mustard seeds that the people were giving him came into this big tree. Now he has kids, grandkids that love the Lord. Share your story. Your story is powerful. Listen to the words of Jesus. Go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done. Your story is powerful. Let, let, just in review. Guys, if there's, like Pastor Phil was saying, if there is addiction in our lives, to, to, to sin. James puts it this way. The prayers of a righteous man are powerful, right? If there's, if there's addiction, sin, if we're distracted by the things of this world, if we just resist God, God in our lives, 
we're, we're not going to have power in prayer, right? God's looking for people to stand in the gap for their families, for their neighborhoods, right? Don't underestimate the position as sons and daughters of God that he's put you in, right? Second is sow the seeds and watch God do the work, right? I, I gave this guy a New Testament. He was in total unbelief. And God took these seeds and used it. The Holy Spirit came alongside. Share your story. If we're going to develop a culture of discipleship, we got to implement these simple little things into our lives, right? God is just flowing out of us, and we're, and we're dishing it out to, to others. So, um, amen. I, I, I pray, God, that you would use us to share our story. People would see the power of God through us, see your story in our lives, and it would impact the people around us. Apply these three tools, these three weapons in your life, in your family's life, and right here. I think you'll see the power of God. Amen. Yeah. Thank you, Elliot. Your wife, Laura. Laura's here with their five kids as well. Would you stand? You see, we do a response time, not just to sing another song. In the weeks to come, we're actually going to have communion at each corner of the front every Sunday. That if you'd like to take communion, if you'd like to confess your sin and repent to the Lord, you can come to the altar. You can come for prayer. We have a ministry team that is going to begin stationing themselves up front after the service. This time for a song and a worship is for you to respond for you to respond to God. And so we're going to do that. So would you just pray with me? Jesus, help us apply and help us to put to practice these three spiritual weapons. Father, I pray that people would start to take prayer so seriously. Lord, my heart's desire is that Wednesday nights of going dark, 6 to 9 p.m., would be more attended and more participated in than even Sunday morning. I pray that you would unsettle us to a place where we know that we we need to seek your face, God. May we become a church that learns how to get on our faces in seeking your face. Friends, I just ask you between you and God to ask the Lord to create time in your schedule to become still, and quiet, and to soak in his presence. If it's not here on Wednesday night, if it's not here Friday morning from 9.30 to 10.30, that you would intentionally set aside time 
where everything else is pushed aside and you are seeking the only thing that matters. Secondly, God, would you show us, convict us, guide us in how we are to plant seeds that you, Holy Spirit, want to water, nourish, and grow? All of us. All of us, God. Let's ask ourselves a question this week. What seeds are we planting? Are they seeds of this world that will produce no fruit of the kingdom of God or are they fruit or are they seeds of the gospel message of Jesus that God says any seed that he plants will always come to fruition and lastly can you allow God to bring birth and confidence to your story if you don't have a story in how Jesus has changed your life, I want to introduce you to the way maker, the miracle worker, the promise keeper, the life changer, the savior of the world, the king of kings and the Lord of lords, the only hope and the only name that will ever be able to save you from your sins, that Jesus died for you. And he wants to bring you to life like that picture in that woman's dream of you just being wrapped in death's clothes, in the curse of sin. And when Jesus gets a hold of any person's heart, he brings us to life. That is the story, my friends, that we are to live and to share. And now, let's take five minutes to respond in whatever way through worship. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. If you'd like to go deeper with another resource from our church, please check out our weekly Impact Bible Study podcast as well. Both of our podcasts are available on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud.